One Av, Aleph Av, Tzadik, His Conversations, 472. He warned us very strongly against getting into the habit of smoking or using snuff. He spoke about this at length, saying that a religious person should avoid this habit as a waste of precious time, time that should be spent on Torah and prayer. Tobacco was entirely unnecessary, and smoking was of no benefit at all as far as bowel movements were concerned, as was sometimes claimed. This was certainly true in the case of anyone who was already a habitual smoker, because something to which the body was already habituated could have no positive effect at all, as is known from experience. It has been mentioned elsewhere that one should not be overly worried about his bowel movements in the sense of trying to cleanse out the body completely before praying. The only time to go to the toilet is when one actually feels the need. Otherwise, there is no need to think about this at all. The Rebbe said of himself that even though he was in the habit of smoking, he would still never take his pipe before praying. Never in his life had he smoked before praying. As for snuff, the Rebbe said it was very harmful and it had a negative influence on people's devotions. Once a person got into the habit of using snuff, he could not be without it even for a short time. This was a tremendous distraction to Torah study and prayer, especially if there was no snuff available. This was a well-known phenomenon among habitual snuff users. Snuff was also a very difficult habit to break. Therefore, it was much better never to get into habits like smoking and snuff using in the first place. They were totally unnecessary, they could be hazardous, and they were a distraction to one's Torah study and prayer. 473. Among his manuscripts I found the following. It is a positive commandment for a person to write a Torah scroll for himself. This means one should write himself a book in the Torah. All the more so, he should write Stam, a Torah scroll, Tefillin, and Mezuzot. 474. When you take the sum of the children of Israel, according to their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto God. Exodus 30.12 When you take the sum of the children of Israel, this is Masah, taking, then shall they give every man a ransom, this is Matan, giving. We find here the concept of Masa Umatan, taking Nachman's wisdom. His wisdom, 2.20. The Rebbe once told someone, I will tell you a secret. Great atheism is coming to the world. See his wisdom, number 35 and number 126. Atheism will come to the world as a test from on high. I know that my followers will be strong and remain firm in their faith without this but I am revealing this to further encourage them. Let them know that this has already been predicted. Similar words were heard from the Rebbe's holy lips many times. With a deep groan he would say, Woe! How can a few people stand up against the whole world? The Rebbe's words came true. Immediately after his death, atheism spread in the world as never before since the beginning of time. The leprous plague began to flourish in faraway lands where notorious atheists put together such works as Hama Asef. This plague did not spread to our lands until after the passing of the Rebbe and other great tzaddikim. When it reached our area, the tzaddikim and holy Jews cried out like a whooping crane, but none listened to them, as the non-believers already the have the upper hand. Book, a curse. 
A. 4. It is the intention behind the curse that matters. 5. There are times when a tzaddik's curse lasts as long as he is alive, but not after he dies. 6. An unjustified curse eventually turns back on the curser. 7. The wise person's curse, even if unjustified and even if conditional, comes to be. 8. Even a Gentile who blesses a Jew will be blessed. B. 1. A person who is always cursing comes from the world of emptiness, while a person who is wont to bless is from the world of rectification. 2. Investigating the world of emptiness, namely, what is above and what is below, what preceded this world and what follows it, brings a curse, but guarding against such investigation brings blessing. 2. Lesson number 4. 7. This revelation of God's will, i.e. that everything happens only because God wills it, comes about through the festivals. This is because each of the holy festivals proclaims, announces, and reveals God's will, namely, that it is God's will alone that directs all things, and that the laws of nature govern nothing at all. For on each and every one of the festivals, God performed awesome wonders for us that directly contradict the laws of nature. At Pesach, the exodus from Egypt occurred, when God brought us out of Egypt amidst awesome wonders. On Shavuot, the giving of the Torah took place, when God gave us the Torah amidst awesome wonders. On Sukkot, we recall the clouds of glory that surrounded the Jews in the desert. All these awesome signs and wonders that God did for us on each of the three festivals reveal that everything occurs exclusively through God's will and that natural forces really determine nothing at all. But a person must carefully incline his ear and his heart so as to hear the sound of this holy proclamation and then he will be worthy of rejoicing on the festivals. For each person commensurate with how well he hears in his heart the proclamation of the festivals, namely, that everything occurs exclusively through God's will, thereby merits to experience the joy of the festivals. 8. There exist dangerous predatory animals. These are the professors and proponents of the theories of natural determinism, who wish to demonstrate with their flawed wisdom that everything occurs according to the laws of nature, God forbid. These animals have preyed upon and devoured many of our people. For many Jewish souls have sunken in this heresy, may God save us. And these souls are like birds caught in a snare. Therefore, anyone who has pity on his soul must flee and escape from these animals, so that his soul should not be rent and devoured by them, God forbid. For the onslaught of these animals is very powerful indeed, and the noise of their roaring rises up and drowns out the call of the festivals, which proclaims, shouts out, and reveals God's will. Therefore, God forbid that anyone should look at all at those books that enter into philosophical or scientific inquiries of this sort. This includes even those books composed by the great men of Israel, because there is no greater evil than this. 9. When the elders of the generation lack perfection, these theories of natural determinism thereby gain power, God forbid. The explanation for this is that each person must add on additional holiness and knowledge of God with each additional day of his life, and each successive day must radiate more than the last with holiness and knowledge of God, 
Only a person who does this can truly be called a holy elder. But when a person blemishes the days of his life, and he does not add on holiness and knowledge each day, even though he is growing older, he is not called an elder at all. To the contrary, he is said to be short-lived, and when the holy knowledge of these elders falls, the theories of natural determinism then leech vitality from them, and they grow more influential in the world. God Rabbi Nachman's stories, the seven beggars, the sixth day. When he woke up, he took this dream to heart. He summoned all the dream interpreters, and they all said that it would come true in its literal meaning, that she would kill him. The king could not decide what to do with her. If he killed her, it would grieve him. If he sent her away, this would anger him, since another man would then have her. This would frustrate him very much, since he had worked so hard to get her, only to have her belong to another man. Furthermore, if he exiled her and she ended up with another man, there would be all the more chance of the dream coming true. With an ally, it would be even easier for her to kill him. Still, he was afraid because of the dream, and did not want to keep her near him. Therefore, the king did not know what to do with her. As a result of the dream, his love for her gradually began to wane. As time passed, his desire for her grew less and less. The same was true of her. Her love for him declined more and more until she hated him. Eventually, she fled. The king sent his men to search for her. When they returned, they reported that she was near the Watson's letters, year one, letter number 193. With thanks to God, Sunday, Matot and Masse, 5595. Peace, life, and all good to my dear beloved son, the distinguished Rabbi Yitzchak, may he live. I am going to relate to you, my dear son, a little of what has happened to me since Wednesday of last week, Torah reading Pinchas. But I am warning you and I ask you, do not become frightened or worried in the least. God is with us. Do not fear them. Last Tuesday, which was the 17th of Tammuz, a fast day, Reb Shlomo from Brailev came to my house. He is the father of my son-in-law, Reb Baruch, may his light shine, and he brought with him his son, Reb David, whom he married off in Nemerov last week. His brother-in-law, Reb Baruch, also came to my house. I saw that this was the hand of God, and that it would be appropriate for me to host one more Sheva Brachot celebration. As you might have expected, I spoke with my in-law and his son some of the words of truth that are in my heart. That Wednesday, about two hours before the afternoon prayers, as I was talking about the Rebbe's holy teachings with some of the young people, my in-law's son among them, into my house came Reb Shmuel Weinberg, and he appeared rather upset about something. He called me aside and told me that someone had told him in the utmost confidence that an official had been appointed to oversee my case, and he added a few more details. God helped me, and I was not too frightened. I did, however, immediately become quite discomposed, because I had intended to go away on Thursday in any event, and after this news, I wanted to hurry things along even more. In addition, I was forced to borrow nine silver rubles on collateral. I spent seven of them right away to mitigate the situation a little, bribing an authority, and the rest I spent on traveling expenses. In the meantime, the Reb Shmuel, whom I had just mentioned, read my travel document and discovered 
that it had expired. I was highly uncertain about how to proceed. Meanwhile, the messenger came and brought me your letter. I answered you briefly that I was going to set out early the next morning, since my plan at that time was to travel in the direction of Nemerov and wait either there or somewhere on the way until my travel documents arrived. There are many thoughts in a man's heart, but God's plan will be accomplished. For God arranged events such that I delayed here until today, when my brother Rebutal brought me a permit. The document, while it had the stamp of the Nemerov community, had not yet been stamped by the administrator since he was sleeping when Rebutal left his house. I therefore had to send Reb Nachman of Tolchin on foot to Nemerov for this purpose. And on Thursday, too, he went to Nemerov on the same errand. Nelson's Letters, Year 2, Letter number 447. With thanks to God, Monday night, the 2nd of Shavat, Bo, 5604, Kremenchug. Greetings to my friend whom I love as myself, the learned, illustrious Reb Ephraim, may his light shine. I am presently at your house, having arrived in Krakow last Thursday, the week of Torah reading Va'era. But I did not find the one that my soul loves, since you had already set out from here a second time for Nikolaev. You can understand for yourself how distressed I was. Besides which, I was pained by the great pain that this will cause you. I hope in God, though, that he will rectify everything, and that it will all turn out for the good, for God's thoughts are very deep indeed. It is all included in what I heard from the Rebbe's holy mouth during my journey with him from Breslov to Uman, when he was traveling there for his ascent to the exalted heavenly heights, before he passed away. You cannot imagine even the glimmer of understandings that I have in my heart about what took place at every single moment during that time, not to mention all that is beyond my ken. At that time, he said the following words, God is great and one knows nothing at all. Things are taking place in the world that people know absolutely nothing about. See Rabbi Nachman's Wisdom number 3. While I have already discussed this extensively many times, and something of it is already in print in the book Sipure Masiot, we still need to understand, to know, and to inform others every day that we really know nothing at all. Then, precisely through this, you will fortify yourself in crying out, and praying to God, as the Rebbe concluded there in that same conversation. Thus, a person will experience great joy and come back to pure, straightforward simplicity. He will trust in God and His salvation and won't be hurried or flustered by anything. Rather, he will think calmly at all times. There is a great deal to say about this, but there is neither time nor space on the page. Ahava Avuadaravada Ahava Bereid Rabbi Zeira, or Rabbi Zeira, Rav Ahilai, Bar Ahini, Rav Aaron, Avia, Rav Avira Sava, On Bar Amy, Rabbi Unya, Unculus Hager, Ustia, Uri, Abba Orion Ishtsaiden, Rabbi Oshaya Bonoshal Rabbi Yehuda Habosem, Rabbi Oshaya Rabba Bar Chama Bar Bisna, Rabbi Oshaya Bar Rabbi Oshaya Zeira de Minchavraya, Oshaya Ishtarya, Rabbi Oshaya Bar Shamai, Hoshaya Hakoin, Hoshaya Bar Zeira, Oshaya Bar Zavda, Rav Hoshaya Bereda Rav Idi, Rav Hoshaya Bereda Rabbi Sinai de Kisrin. Prayer number 28 on the Kutema Haran 2, 39. 
Shepherd of Israel, listen. You who guide Joseph like sheep, you who dwell between the cherubs, appear. Master of the world, king, leader, and ruler, filled with compassion, you had great mercy on us and sent us a savior and teacher, a redeemer and holy man of Israel, Moses. He brought us forth from dimness to brightness, from darkness to a great light. He gave us the Torah and illumined our eyes, and he taught us the truth of your holy faithfulness. With his intensely wondrous greatness, he was able to illumine the lowest of the low, as we are today, to inform everyone of your greatness and might. He opened the eyes of the blind. He illumined the eyes of all Israel, even those who are compared to the feet, so that they might delve in their minds to comprehend the true ultimate meaning of every created entity in the world, to know and recognize you forever by means of every created entity, and to come close to you and truly cling to you. Fortunate is the generation that had such a leader. Fortunate are the eyes that saw him. Fortunate are the ears that heard the words of the living God from his holy and awesome mouth, when God's presence spoke from his throat. And now, Hashem, our God, you are our Father. Incline your ear to our outcry. Open your eyes and see our desolation. Have pity and compassion on us. Guide us and teach us what we should do now, what we should accomplish now, to whom we should turn for help. Tell me, you who love my soul, where do you graze, where do you lie down at noon? Tell me, please, where we should go to seek a true leader like this. In our present state of extreme lowliness and weakness, none of us have beautiful faces in the least. No one can help us but a genuine teacher and leader who is truly on the level of Moses. He can illumine our holy awareness so that we will reach our true goal of knowing and recognizing you forever by means of all created beings in the world. All of them were created only for this, so that a person will recognize you through them. That is the essential purpose of all created beings, collectively and individually. How can we find such a leader? Where, oh, where is he? Where is the place of his glory? Where are the counsel and stratagems that will help us find him? If tzaddikim and leaders of Israel are indeed alive today, Hashem, give them a life filled with many days and years. However, all of the recognized leaders, without exception, acknowledge and admit without shame that they lack this power that we have mentioned before you, the power of Moses, to illumine us with the awareness that every individual can attain his true purpose in this world by understanding all things in the world, which is the objective for which we were created. What then shall we do? What shall we undertake? Who will stand up on our behalf? Woe! How will Jacob rise, for he is small? Master of the entire world, you who have compassion on the world, you who have compassion on the people, your nation whom you guided like sheep by the hands of Moses and Aaron, where is your compassion for Israel, your holy nation, at present? With whom have you left the few sheep? To whom have you abandoned us, we who are so weak and unworthy? See our meager and desolate status. Our faces are blackened by our transgressions, and we are hunched over because of our sins. To whom will we flee for help? Have you indeed rejected Judah? Has your soul despised Zion? Why have you struck us so that we have no remedy? We hope for peace, but there is no goodness, and for a time of healing, but behold, there is terror. 
Have you abandoned your nation, the Jewish people? Heaven forbid. Didn't you promise us that even in our extreme descent into the depths of this exile in body and soul as we are today, you will never abandon or abhor us? As the verse states, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not despise them and I will not abhor them to destroy them, to break my covenant with them. For I am Hashem, their God. Hashem never said that He would eradicate the name of Israel from under the heavens. For the sake of His great name, Hashem will not forsake His nation. Hashem has sworn to make you His nation. Hashem will not reject His nation, and He will not abandon His inheritance. You gave our forefathers many more such promises that you would help us and save us in every generation. But now, where is your compassion? Where are your wonders? Why should the congregation of Hashem be like a flock that has no shepherd? Have pity and mercy on us. Have pity and compassion on us. Grant us merit. Help us pray and plead with you a great deal regarding this, crying out and calling out with a great and bitter shout, and weeping before you every day regarding this with an abundance of tears. Be gracious and answer us. Have mercy on us and give us a shepherd of Israel, a true leader, a compassionate leader like Moses, the faithful shepherd. Such a leader can rectify us and truly bring us back to you. He can shine his attainments, his holy awareness upon us, and open our mind's eye with great holiness and purity. May we, even we, attain the true ultimate goal of all created beings in the world, which is to truly recognize you, come close to you, and cling to you forever.